say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hi everyone and welcome to a new direction. It is me again, Jay Izzo. I know every week it's the same guy, right, with the same show, who does the same thing. We try to help people find a new direction in their life, their business, and their career. And today we have, well, I always say it, right? We, we have another great show, and I, I, we do because here's the thing: I've got, I've got, I've got Ken Rutsky. Here's his book right here. I know, yeah, I know. Some of you can't see it. Hey, Wendy. So Ken Rutsky, launching to leading. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is going to be about marketing. All right. So here's what I want you to do in the next like 20 to 30 seconds. I need you to talk to anybody that you know that is interested in marketing and and b2b marketing jeff snell welcome to the show you're gonna love this because ken does a ton of b2b marketing and but i'm gonna tell you i don't care if it's b2b b2c what he, the things that he says in this book i am going to tell you right now are going to apply to anybody who is trying to make their business better and make an impact all right because things have changed and Ken talks about the things that have changed. You're going to love this. Again, the book, Launching to Lead. I'm going to be talking to Ken Rutsky in just a second here. But before I do that, let's do what we do every week. And that is I check in with you in the four areas of your life, right? Because I believe we're four-part people. I believe that we're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual beings. And so I want to check in with you. How are you doing this week, all right? So um, here we go. So physically, scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding. How are you doing physically? You feeling good? Are you doing things to take care of your body? Are you doing all those things that are necessary for you to be healthy? You know, are you, are you getting a little exercise, eating right? Sometimes just putting down the fork. Okay. That can be a helpful way for you to be a little more healthier, right? Have you been getting your checkups? You've been doing the things that you need to do. So on a scale of one to 10 physically, where are you at? Okay. You got that number? Okay, good. All right. So mentally, where are you at? What do I mean by mentally? Well, what are you feeding your brain with, right? We have we have a left brain and a right brain, right? The left brain is more of our logical brain or the right brain is more of our creative side. So what are you doing to feed your brain? All right. And on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being great. How are you doing feeding your brain mentally? You're doing pretty good. You feel like you're gaining knowledge. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. The truth of the matter is you can always be exercising your brain. Well, you can always exercise physically too, but you know, your brain never has to stop regardless of what you do. Okay. And regardless of where you're at physically, okay. Never has to stop. So where's that number? You got that one? So you got two numbers. Okay, good. Now, where are you at emotionally? Scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding. How are you doing emotionally? What do I mean by that? Well, so for instance, you know, what's your emotional intelligence quotient? Right, so like, are, are, do the little things tick you off? Do do are little things making you upset and angry? How well are you able to relate to other people's emotions? How well are you willing to relate to other people's emotions? Maybe that's even a better question for you, right? So on that scale of one to ten, where are you, how are you doing emotionally? And you remember, you know, emotions are one of those things, right? We can be intentional about our emotions. We do not have to feel what you feel right now. You can intentionally change your emotions if you want to. I don't have to feel sad. Even though there could be all sorts of circumstances, circumstances do not have to dictate how we feel. They just don't. It's up to us to do that. So being better in control of your emotions raises that score. And then finally, where are you at spiritually? And what I mean spiritually is that I know that we all believe in something outside of ourselves we do we don't want to necessarily admit it we will deny it we will say we don't but the truth is we do believe in things that we can't explain with science we can't explain with any other thing we believe that they give us hope they they give us a sense of peace or a sense of happiness for some people that is god and and if it is how are you doing with that for some people maybe it's nature for some other people maybe it's karma for some people, maybe it's just the whole idea of being able to um, be part of something else that's just bigger than themselves. Whatever that may be, the question I'm asking you is, we're on the scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, where are you at spiritually? And now you've got four numbers. Now the whole point of doing this isn't to get you from wherever your number is to a 10 today. I, the, the goal here is to, whatever your number is right now in any one of those areas is what can you do to get to the next number? That's your goal. Okay, however that may be, 
whether that is putting down the fork or maybe reading a book like Ken Rutsky's Launching to Leading. That might not be bad for you mentally or being able to purposely say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be controlling my emotions today. I, this is not going to, I don't care what happens to me today, I'm not going to allow it to bother me. And then spiritually, it could be, you know what, I'm going to make a change, right? I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to follow my faith. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe in my faith and make a step in that direction, whatever that may be, right? The whole point is that those four numbers are like the four legs of a table. And so if they're uneven, right, try eating off of an uneven table. It makes things difficult. But if they're all too low, imagine trying to sit in a normal chair and then trying to eat off that table. It makes things really difficult, right? So, all right, you've all checked in, and I see there's, so, there's people joining us, and I appreciate that. And uh, by the way, I've been asked about the shirt. Oh, why am I wearing a Holt physical therapy shirt? Well, I'll tell you why. Because so I've been wearing people who've been giving me shirts. I've been wearing them on the air and I've been telling people, okay, I'm going to wear your shirt, right? Now, this also means, Jamie, you know, because I know you and Lou own this place and I come to see you a lot. You could also be a sponsor if you want to do a, of my show. But whole PTS, um, uh, physical theory, we really do appreciate you. You guys are awesome. And you know what? I would not be able to do what I do physically had I not gone to see you. You've gotten me through several surgeries. And you know what? The truth of the matter is you do get me back in the game. And even at my age, uh, I, I constantly am getting hurt because I won't quit doing what I do. And so I thank you guys for doing that. So Holt, thank you so much. So let me introduce our next guest because our next guest is outstanding and I love him. His name is Ken Rutsky. He is the president and founder of KJR Associates. Uh, incorporated, uh, they providing marketing and business strategy services to B2B technology vendors. Ken has 20 plus years of experience marketing and selling enterprise and user technology and solutions. During Ken's tenure of, as vice president of product marketing at Secure Computing, he spearheaded the company's go-to market efforts, accelerating the growth of its web security business leading to its eventual acquisition by McAfee. You may have heard of them. Uh, at, and may, they may be on your computer right now. Yeah, they, they could be. At a 40% premium to market value, Ken has held executive roles at Intel, Netscape, McAfee, and ran marketing at three startups, including Coalition, which was acquired by IBM uh, Tivoli. He is sponsored today by none other than, you know what, the fine folks who are our sponsors, and that is inline business brokers and advisors. Inline business brokers and advisors have helped literally thousands of clients in the sale and purchases of businesses. When it's time to sell your business, folks, contact the professionals at inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more at inline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com, and we appreciate them. And now, without further ado, everybody, would you please do me a favor? Give yourself, give our guest Ken Rutsky a big hand. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be here. So, Ken, you and I talked before uh, the show. I, I, and I, and I'm holding up this book here for everybody to see. Launching to leading, it's how B2B marketer market leaders create flash mobs, marshal parades, and ignite ignite movements. And uh, I read this. I like I do. I read all these books. This book is one that people are going to have to read, reread, and reread, and you're going to get so much out of it because there's so much in this book. I mean, I could, I was telling you before, I could have literally, you could have taken one chapter of this book and made it a book. And, and so I'm commending you on that because there is so, there is so much in this book and I've had to reread it. Um, I don't know if people could see this, but um, I got this thing like just highlighted like crazy. Okay, I mean, my highlighting pen uh, ran out. I had to go to the store in the middle of this book and had to get another highlighting pen. Oh, there you go. Uh, you should have just unhighlighted parts of it. <laughs> I really did. I had to. I had to. I literally had to go to the store and get another highlighting pen, and I couldn't believe it. So I'm, I'm okay. So let's talk about this book, um, launching to leading and marketing, because one of the things I that you point out very early in this book is that the marketing game has changed completely. Yeah, I mean, you know, the world changed, right, with the Internet, and then even more so, I think, when uh, Google uh, became so prominent in the way we find and access information, uh, because it really did it really did just change the way we communicate. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say, uh, yeah, I have four kids, uh, and I won't bore you with of how great they are, right? But uh, you know, it used to be the dads 
uh, you know, what did the kids do when they didn't know something? Everybody said, go ask dad, right? Right. And dad would make the answer up, <laughs> even right. if he didn't yeah. know it. Right. Uh, you know, now it's like, go ask Google or go ask Alexa, right? So right. We've, we've gone from a world where information was really hard to find to one where we find so much information, you know, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what's true and false. And, uh, you know, that ripples through everything, not just marketing, but life. And so uh, that's been a fundamental change. And that's really changed the role of sales and marketing in the world, too. Yeah. So this is this is the point, I think, of the book that you start off with so well, is that for the marketer, okay, the marketer has to understand that this change has occurred. But there are really some uh, major shifts that have been created over the course. I mean, some of it's a result of technology, but some of the ways the consumer is now treating everything. So why don't, why don't you give us a little more insight into how marketers need to start thinking about some of these changes? Yeah, I think there, you know, you start with that information becoming commoditized, and then you see some other things happening too. Uh, competition has become so much greater and the markets have become so much more crowded especially in business-to-business markets. Uh, what's happened is a lot of the barriers uh, to start a business and to promote it you know, have also uh, gone down dramatically. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you know, who would have ever thought, you know, for example, that the world's largest online bookseller would become the you know, one of the world's largest IT vendors? Sure. Uh, you know, it's crazy. And, you know, Amazon is one of the most important technology vendors in the world now. And they started by selling books. So you never know, you know where your next competitor is going to come from. And even if you're a local business, uh, you may find yourself competing with someone who's uh, in India doing it online with you know, maybe less expensive resources. So you know, we've got to compete with a lot more people, right. uh, both for business and attention. And then uh, third is you know, buyers have become really, really in charge of the process. You know, you used to talk about a sales cycle. Right. Well, there is no sales cycle anymore. It's truly become a buying cycle. And, you know, as a consumer uh, and a purchaser of things, I think that's great. Buyers should be in control, sure. not sellers. And so, you know, I view that as a really positive thing for society, but that doesn't make the job of sales and marketing professionals any easier. In fact, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah. This concept of the buyer is in control, to me, it all started with the internet. Because I, I felt like as we started getting more and more websites, you know, when the internet was created and we all of a sudden we were doing e-commerce online, I felt like we were seeing this major shift of I get to consume my information in my way. Yeah. And then, you know, I read your book, right? This book, Launching to Leading, Ken Rutsky, is with us here on A New Direction. I'm reading your book, and I'm going, you're right. And by the way, it doesn't matter, B2B, B2C. The consumer is in control of how they want to consume the information and how they want to buy. So this whole old marketing adage, right? We used to try to do the whole marketing thing, and you bring this up in the book, that you know we used to try to sell uh, what our features were or what our benefits were. But that's no longer working according to you? Yeah, I, you know, benefits matter, right? But the biggest challenge marketers have, and I think, you know, you're right, this is B2C or B2B, is starting by getting attention of the buyer. Mm. Uh, there's some research from an organization called the Corporate Executive Board, and they put out a stat. They said 57% of the business buying cycle is over before the first interaction with the vendor's salesperson. Right. Uh, it's startling. That means basically a buyer who's making, you know, it could be a large purchase, is almost two-thirds of, two of the way through their process uh, before they talk to a sales rep. That means they're at their short list. You know, they right. may have started with 20 vendors on their list, and they may be down to three before they, you even get a chance to have that sales interaction. So what that means is marketing, you know, has to take, much more responsibility on finding those buyers early so they can influence you know, the process uh, and provide and, and actually find the buyers that are right for them 
uh, before they get to the short list. So it's right. become a lot more challenging. It's it's crazy. Well, it, it is it is more challenging because I mean what you describe here in your book is almost that okay you we've got to get there early we got to get there earlier and 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 we got to get there faster not only you got to get get early you got to get there faster and you got to be able to break through all the noise right so and being able to do that and which means that we can't be doing the same things we've always been doing and expect yeah to yet at the same time yet at the same time the buyer doesn't want to talk to you so <laughs> right right that's you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, Jay, right? Is is if we got to get there earlier to influence it and the buyer doesn't want to talk to us, you know, what what do we do? And so, you know, the most important thing from my perspective is to really just shift your mindset uh, from this, you know, what I would call more diagnostic uh, sales and marketing where we get to ask the buyer lots of questions right. before we talk about what we do to a more authoritative model of selling and marketing where we come in and we teach the buyer something about their business uh, and how we can improve their business before we start spouting out about how great our product is. Yeah, what, you bring up a story. By the way, we're talking with Ken Rutsky, author of Launching to Leading. This is, uh, we're, we're, we're talking marketing, by the way. Uh, if you're in B2B, you're gonna love this. If you're B2C, you're still gonna love this because I'm gonna tell you right now, the principles apply across the board in marketing. And how to improve your marketing because we have to have a different we have to have a different shift. And I thought one of the things that you did so cleverly is because you, evidently you're a football fan on some level because uh, <laughs> because when I read the book I was like going, okay all right well, hold up we got film time you know we got we got we got drives we got the second half drive you know we got the opening right, drive right, right. And thing right. So and I, and of course what would be better than you taking Coach Kelly from Arkansas high school in Arkansas. And, and the guy doesn't punt, okay? This is a high school coach who doesn't punt. I don't care where he's at on the field. He never punts. And by the way, every kickoff is an onside kick, okay? So, so, so he's, but you used, explain why you use Coach Kelly's model as a way for us to start thinking differently in terms of marketing. Yeah, you know, I, I read that story uh, and saw, saw an ESPN, I believe, special on him. And it just captivated me. And I, you know, I'm a football fan, but I'm not a fanatic. Right. Uh, but what really captivated me was how he took an idea and uh, really changed the way he approached his entire profession. And you know, he took this idea that statistically uh, he'd be better off, you know, going for it on fourth down. And then he went lock, stock, and barrel all in. And said, if I believe that, which I do because I have data that supports it, how am I going to change the way I do things and compete with people who are bigger and more resourced than I am? I mean, now it's like all I have to do is say, well, if you're a small business to business vendor and you want to compete with those large giants, find something that's true and commit to it because you can do it at a lot lower risk than your bigger competitors can. Mm. And so that's what really attracted me. Uh, to that story and to that approach it is really the combination of risk taking, uh, going all in on on a truth that you know to be true, right. and then executing like crazy. Yeah, but don't you think this is? I th and 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 Ken, don't you think that there's it's hard for a CEO to take that risk if a marketer, you know, if your CMO, your chief marketing officer, comes into your CEO or C COO and says, you know what? we're going to take a risk and we're going to do something. We're going to get away from talking about our features and, and you know, our benefits. And we're going to, we're going to create a whole different storyline that's going to align really well with our, what our consumer is. We're going to align it with their story, right? Which we're going to talk yeah. about that later, right? That's a tough, isn't that a tough sell for the marketing officer? You know, I think maybe a few years ago is a tougher one. I think that's really changed and, and there's, the reason is the data just supports this approach. And, you know, one of the things that I business has become, as you know, Jay, is, is very data driven. Sure. So when I can come in and say to the CEO something like, you know, 70, 60 percent of the buying cycles done before our sales rep gets to talk to someone. And if I can tell them that, you know, research shows the number one thing that buyers want from their sales reps is, you know, 
industry knowledge about their business. They know about the buyer's business. And second, that they teach them something. And then I can tell them, you know, number seven is product knowledge. Right. And by the way, everyone has product knowledge because they just go to people's websites. So right. why do we want sales rep wasting time saying what's already on the website? Right. You know, if I, if I go to the CEO and say that, you know, and I go to the sales leader and I say, do you find these things to be true? You know, you just get nods. And, and so the data and the reality that people face is just there. And you, I think if you point it out and then you follow that with a so what? So here's what we're going to do. Right. We're going to stop punting. Right. You know, we're going to do an onside kick every time <laughs> because the data supports doing it. And by the way, we don't think our competitors can do it as fast right. because of the risk it creates for them. Wow. You know, now that becomes a powerful approach to the CEO. Love that. We're talking with Ken Rutsky, author of this fantastic book that you're looking at, Launching to Leading. And he is brought to you today by our, our friendly sponsor who has sponsored us for a long time. Our original, our first sponsor ever, by the way, Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. Inline represents profitably, profitably, profitably private-held companies with gross annual revenues in excess of a million dollars. Inline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality. It is their trademark. And I'm telling you, you should really look up these folks. Jeff Snell and his people are outstanding. Check them out at inline.com. That's E-N. L-I-G-N.com, and they are bringing a new direction, and they're bringing you Ken Rutsky, and we are so grateful to them for doing that. Ken, there's so many pieces I want to talk about this book, and we don't have time because this is really a three-day, um, this should be a three-day show where we continually go for three <laughs> days because I, I, there's no way I'm going to get through all of this book. In, in the, in I'm the, happy to come back again, Jay. Okay, well, I mean, you're going to have to because I want to talk about I, I want to talk about so many things, and I, but I, I want to kind of go in a little bit of an order because sure. I, there's a part of me that wants to talk about the race car, right? And then there's a part of me that wants to talk about Aim Steep and because I loved Steep. I wrote you and I said, oh my gosh, I love Steep when it comes to kind of aligning ourselves and thinking about our consumer. So I'm going to let you pick and choose which one, which do we want to go Aim Steep or we want to talk about building your race car? I would do it all. Okay. Uh, you know, the race car is just a really quick thing. Uh, we really focus a lot on marketing programs, content marketing, and marketing automation, right? These are the hot buzzwords in marketing today. Right. right. And, you know, to me, the marketing automation and all the process that you put in place, that's all, you know, the body of the car, right? Or the engine of the car, I mean. Right. And, you know, your programs are the tires, right? They're what you roll on the road with. Right. But if you put bad gas into that car, it's not going to go very well. Right. And yeah, I think we've gone away from some of the fundamentals of building great messaging mm. that we need to do. And as we said, we need to do differently. And if we put bad gas, bad messages, no matter how good the car is, right, it's not going to run well. Sure. And if I see, you know, every client, for every client I see, almost inevitably, the first discussion is we spent a ton on all this marketing automation. It's right. working really well. And we're running all these programs. We're really efficient, but we're not effective. And, you know, our lead conversions are low, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're not growing the business the way we should. Why are we spending all this money? Should we keep doing demand gen? Right. It all usually comes back to what's the message and what's right. the story. Right. And, you know, that goes right to the steep stuff, uh, and you know, I wish I could say I invented steep. I love uh, that. Steep. I love that because we because you you point out in the book, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but but you, we, no, you point okay. out you, you point out in the book that you know we always talk about SWOT analysis, right? Uh, right. SWOT. Great. <laughs> and then you come out and you pull out steep. I don't care if you didn't invent it or not. You know, there, <laughs> you know, there's a rule. There's a rule, right? Because I know you speak, right? And you know the speaker's rule. The speaker's rule is, you know, the first time, you know, you give the person credit and you said, you know, you get up on stage and go, as my friend Ken Rutsky used to say, and then you That's go right. into it. And then the second time you go, you say, you go, well, I've heard it said, da, 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 da. And then the third time you do it, you go, as I've always said, da, 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 da. So, so. Well, we all, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. So. <laughs> Right, we do. 
<laughs> so let's talk about STEEP and how that fits into sure. the consumer marketing piece, because I think it's beautiful and it's a beautiful acronym. Yeah, so uh, STEEP comes from actually uh, international uh, development work where uh, NGO organizations, right, non-governmental organizations would go into a country and try to understand it. And so they said, you know, to really understand a country, you have to understand uh, what's going on in the society, uh, what's going on with technology and their adoption of technology, what are some of the economic factors playing and taking place in that country, uh, what's going on environmentally, mm. and, you know, is it is it a high pollution, uh, you know, are they, you know, carbon-free, blah, 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 and then what are the politics, you know, is it a democracy, is it a dictatorship, is it a, you know, socialist regime, What what's going on politically? Sure. And so, you know, one of my mentors, a guy named Matt Church out of Australia, you know, when we were talking about this, he said, well, one of the things, you know, you're telling your your uh, clients to do is take an environmental scan of their buyers. Right. And, you know, maybe you should look at this tool steep. And so I did. And uh, we applied it, you know, and I've been applying that for a decade now. And basically, you know, we just asked those questions about what's going on in our customers' world. And right. it you know, it's really just an extended version of the old adage of uh, if you want to understand someone, walk in their shoes. Right. Uh, so that's what we do. And by doing that, we can better understand the challenges and the opportunities that are in front of them, not just the ones we might help with, but all the ones that matter to them. Right. Because we've got to relate our value, you know, as a, as a seller right. to something that matters. Otherwise, we just get lost in the crowd. You know, you know, Ken, you know, I used to, as a, you know, I, I'm a psychology professional in business and I work with businesses from, you know, psychological coaching business thing. And so I always tell, I've said for years, over a decade, I've now said, you know, you got to pay attention to the psychographics of your yeah. consumer, right? Yep. Whoever, and I don't care, B2B or B2C. Matter of fact, I was meeting with, uh, a B2B company, and I said, so what do you know about the psychographics of the people who are the decision makers? Yeah. And, and they yeah. they looked at me like I had just, you know, I had grown an extra, you know, eyeball <laughs> off the side of my head, you know, because you know, everybody talks about demographics, but they don't talk about the psychographics. And I think what I loved about this idea of steep social, technological, economic, environmental, you know, and then political is that it applies. It, it doesn't have to be a country. It, it, it applies right. to your consumer. And that was the beauty of what I thought. I said, man, this is this is an application of psychographics that is, you know, because typically we know we look at, you know, bio A, right? You know, your behaviors, interests, yep. opinions, you know, and attitudes is typically what we look at. And so this this was doing this was taking that and I think doing a little bit more and I just and I fell in love with that so I'm going to steal it and then I'm going to say that I came up with it probably about the third time I talk about it when I'm on stage. <laughs> I, that's that's all good. Just give <laughs> a little bit of credit here. You get the first. Yeah, I think it is. It is in a lot of ways the psychographic you know profile of the customer and and at the end of the day I want to find you know what's keeping that buyer up at night right. or. What's getting them excited to get out of bed in the morning, right? right? And if I can understand that, I can then start the process of relating what I do uh, to one of those things. And, and you know, I said that ROI, return on investment for sure. sellers, that's just table stakes now. You right. know, in, in these crowded markets, no, nothing gets bought if it's not a positive ROI. The problem is right. most of the buyers could buy a thousand things that have positive ROI. Sure. And they're only going to buy 10. Right. Or 15 in a year. So, you know, if I really don't understand the strategic needs of the buyer, and Steep is a tool to do that, I'll never get higher on the list. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I love that. And you, you, let's, let's, let's take this thing and stretch it out a little bit further because one of the sections that I thought, oh, I really want you to deal with because I, I have this issue with the word value. Yeah. Because people throw it around like everybody knows exactly what it means. And I in it and if you want to infuriate me, seriously, when it comes to marketing, I get so infuriated when people go, well, you just got to provide them value. Well, what? 
you're like, <laughs> what do you mean? Of course. We, well, what does that mean, right? right? And you really take apart value. Not that it's not that it's exhaustive, but man, you really take it apart. So let's. Why don't you talk about from your perspective value and what you need to do to kind of maybe understand value from your consumer's perspective? Yeah, it's uh, it's a great question. Uh, we start with feature and benefit, and I think a lot of times a lot of marketers uh, will stop there. I get this feature, and it delivers this benefit. Well, you know, value is really in the eye of the buyer. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is all markets in general are kind of conversations about the exchange of value, right? And right. I'm trying to convince as the seller that I have something valuable of value to the buyer that they're going to exchange their two most valuable things that they have, their time and their money right. to get. Right. Right. And it's usually the time is the more valuable of those two commodities Absolutely. to the buyer. So the first thing is to understand that value is in the eyes of the buyer and always needs to be judged from the buyer's eyes. So if you think about how I want to market, I want to find the unique values that the buyer can get from me. So the first thing I need to do is I need to, you know, basically start with here's what I do uniquely or here are my capabilities, the things I do that are interesting or important. And then filter, you know, and then basically define what those business benefits are. Right. But if I stop there, as I said, I'm not done. So then I have to say, how much will a buyer value this business benefit? Even if you just use a simple rating like high, medium, and low, which I tend to do, you know, I might take a list of 30 benefit statements and narrow it down to 8 or 10. Then the next question I have to ask is, is it unique? You know, can they get this value from another seller or through another approach? And then I can take that 8 to 10 down to 3 to 5. Now I've got something of value that only I can deliver and make important in the way I market and talk to buyers. So that's that's kind of my process. I think of it as, you know, starting with a big bucket of sand and then putting it through these, you know, buyer value and then competitive sieves to see what's left at the bottom. And 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 I really don't think we look at it that closely. I think we just assume we have value. I think we just assume that whatever, you know, whatever business we're in, whether it's a product or or a service business, we just make the assumption well we've got value. And, and people want us because it's us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, it, that's just not true because, you know, as you so uh, adeptly just really explain and people need to understand value is in the perception of the buyer. That's right. Th th their, th it's their perception of what value is. So it would behoove you. And you talk about this of why don't you talk about people you've been successful, successful, already been successful with. Right. And why don't you start talking to those people about what they found valuable about what you did, right? I mean, I think you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I do this all the time. A very typical when I engage with a client in you know, a four to six week process of doing all this that's, that's talked about in the book, one of the first things I'll say is, let me talk to three or four of your uh, most successful customers. Right. And I pretty much ask them three questions. What value did you expect? from buying this product. Did you get that value? Mm -hmm. That's kind of question one. Mm -hmm. Question two is, what values did you get that you didn't expect to get? Right. And then question three is, what value would you like out of the product or service that you're not getting? Right. And you know, that creates a pretty interesting you know, palette of information, so to speak, or, or great data to bring into a process of trying to figure out how to talk about your value. And also, it, it ends up giving you some good ideas on how to evolve your product or service also. See, see, and I loved that approach when you wrote this in the book. Because I think sometimes we have a tendency to look at all the negative things. Like if, you know, you get a negative review or if somebody doesn't buy. We're, we're always sitting there trying to figure out, well, why didn't they buy? Right? Versus going to the people who've already purchased from you and understanding why they did. See, I, I think it's, it's, see, it's, it's qualitatively two different things. I think we sometimes focus on how did we lose that deal versus what caused us to win that deal. Well, and you know as a psychologist, right, loss aversion is a very strong motivator oh, for people, 
right? Yeah, huge. So, you know, I think uh, I'm sure you're, I, I would guess, uh, propose that maybe you're a fan of Stephen Covey. Yeah, I am a big, huge fan of Stephen Covey. I kind of figured that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you know, Covey talks about an abundance mindset, right? Right. And one of the shifts I think marketers need to make uh, is there is so much business out there, right? We live in a world of abundance, and there's so many buyers out there. Let me find, you know, taking my success, find more like that because there's going to be more of them. Right. But if I don't understand who they are and what they value, then I can't maximize the number of them that I find that are like them. And so, you know, my belief is if you can articulate your value well, that kind of that first step, you're doing better than 90% of your competitors. Right. And competition almost just disappears at that point. Right. Because those who can tell buyers what they, what's in it for them and do it really well are really the ones who rise above the crowd and Absolutely. win. All the other stuff is just, you know, the next, the extra 20% that takes you from, you know, successful to wildly successful. Yeah. We're talking, you're absolutely right. We're talking with Ken Rutsky, author of this outstanding book, Launching, uh, Launching to Leading, a, uh, How B2B Market Leaders uh, Create Flash Mobs, uh, Marshall Parades, and Ignite Movements. By the way, it's available on Amazon, Hudson Books, uh, Barnes & Noble. You know, here, let me put it to you this way. If it's not on a bookshelf, you just go to your favorite bookstore and you tell them, I want Launching to Leading by Ken Rutsky. This is what you do. Okay. And Jay, guess what? It what? just came out on Audible oh. uh, yesterday. Okay. So I've got some Audible credits. <laughs> <laughs> so guess what Jay's going to be doing with his Audible credits? He's going to be listening to this book, even though he's read this book a couple times. He's going to listen to the book over and over again because it's just so chock full of amazing marketing ideas and we're going to talk about the viewpoint wheel here in a second because I, I to me it is the crux of this book and so you're going to want to pay attention to the viewpoint wheel because creating the wheel and understanding where you are in this process is how we get to the point of whether you're you're at, at the point of flash flash mob parade or movement and um, that's going to help determine that along the way. But before I do that, I got to do some business. And here's the business I have to do. And that is I have to thank our sponsor for sponsoring Ken Rutsky and this book and A New Direction. And that's Inline Business business Brokers and Advisors. Are you a business owner? At some point, you're going to need the services of an experienced business broker. Selling your business is a big decision. So make sure that you build with the deal team. And these are the experts. Start there. They're the experts. Inline business brokers and advisors. You can learn more. The, this is a B2B company, folks. And and I'm telling you, if you're looking to sell your business, you want it done confidential with confidentiality, which is their trademark, there are none better. I'm just telling you that right now. There are none better. You can find them at inline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. Find them because uh, I'm going to tell you they're going to help you and they're going to do an amazing job for you. And we thank them for sponsoring Ken Rutsky and his book, And a New Direction, with Jay Izzo. And want to thank all of our folks so far for being with us because um, uh, thank you so much for watching us live. And we want to thank our podcast listeners. And I know that I have some listeners, Ken. I, I've got some listeners that are in Merton, England, that regularly listen to the show. So uh, awesome. I need to shout out to my folks in Merton, England uh, that are part of the edge of Wimbledon right there in uh, lower London. And so I want to shout out to my friends in Merton. Uh, it's great always having you listen to the show. And I appreciate whether you, whether you catch us here live or whether you catch us on the podcast. And um, we thank you for always tuning in with us here. So let's move on in this segment. Let's move on to the viewpoint story wheel. Because I felt like that this is really the crux of this book. I felt like, it is. yeah, it I, is. I, I really felt like if, you know, you read all this stuff and we've kind of given everybody kind of the, you know, some of this, some of the, there's a whole lot more, by the way, by the way, we didn't cut, we didn't even cover, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, what Ken and I talked about didn't even cover 20% of this book. Okay. There's so much more, but the viewpoint story wheel is the heart, the soul of this book. So rather than me trying to go about it help 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 the listeners understand what the viewpoint story wheel is and why it is so important to launching your marketing to getting to leading yeah so uh it starts with this idea that stories motivate people and change people's behavior and so if i want to be a great communicator 
I really have to be a great storyteller. And when I was writing the book, I was looking at different storytelling, you know, paradigms, and and I uh, knew about this one uh, called the hero's journey. Mm. And the hero's journey uh, was first proposed by a guy named Joseph Campbell, who was a cultural anthropologist. And not to get into a ton of detail there, we could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> but Campbell basically said all of our uh, mythology, whether it was religious or cultural, across the go across the globe followed the same story pattern, which he called a monomyth or the hero's journey. And the really quick version of it is the heroes uh, living their life. Uh, they get disrupted. They get sucked into an alternative reality where they have a death or near-death experience. They meet the god or goddess. They get a magical gift, and they go back to make their world a better place. Uh, if any of your listeners have seen the Lego movie, that's the perfect prototype hero's journey with Emmett. So uh, I highly recommend that movie as a study of the hero's journey. Uh, Campbell, by the way, he consulted on the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, so Lucas yeah. is a disciple, George Lucas, a disciple of him. So I figured if it, and they're also used by Disney extensively. So I figured it, well, if this is good enough for George Lucas and Disney, probably good enough for me and my clients. And so I modeled this idea of the viewpoint story wheel around uh, that hero's journey and making the customer the hero as opposed to me, and making my product a magical gift in that hero's journey. Mm. So, you know, applied to business to business or, or marketing in general, the story kind of goes like this. You know, chapter one is uh, the world's changed, and don't you agree, Mr. Customer? Mm. Uh, chapter two is if you keep doing things the way you are, you're going to be in a world of hurt or you're going to have a lot of missed opportunities. Uh, so you're, you know, sucked, as Campbell would say, into the depths of despair. Uh, and then chapter three is, you know, to the rescue is my cool product or service, which takes a different approach, uses a different, you know, set of methodologies or innovation and shifts your mindset about how to solve your problems. Right. And when you do that, chapter four is you end up in this great, brave new world. So, you know, the danger of being self-referential, if I use myself here, and tell my story that's in the book very quickly. Uh, is that okay? I sure, can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Is the world's changed? It's a buyer-driven market. That's chapter one. Chapter two is if you keep leaning on feature, function, and benefit, you're never going to break through and lead. Hmm. Chapter three is take this approach of telling your viewpoint story, and then you'll be leading your market parade. Chapter four. So you see how even I use that in telling my story. Right. And I've applied this probably about uh, 40 or 50 times now wow. with clients over the last uh, decade. And yeah, I'm really excited to say my clients have uh, created over, I think, last count, about $7 billion wow. in, in market cap through wow. IPOs and acquisitions. Wow. Uh, and yeah, they've done a lot of things right. But one of the things they have in common is they've told their story. Right. Why are we reluctant to do that? I mean, because it seems so. It seems so commonsensical to me, but yet it's really not done very frequently. I mean, we we try to tell the story from our perspective, right? So yeah. often we we try to say, "Here's our story." You know, we started off as a mom and pop shop back in yeah. right. Instead of making the you know, like you said, making the consumer the hero in our story. Why, why do you think we, why, I mean, I, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm asking the psychological question to you, but I mean, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you because it just seems to me that it would make more sense. Are we that selfish? Are we that narcissistic? I, I don't know. I don't know I think, no, you know, I think it's, uh, we're that passionate. We're so passionate right. about our products and services, right. uh, especially the ones we birthed ourselves, right? Right, sure. Uh, and we put so much into it. We, we naturally want to stand up on the mountaintop and scream about how great it is because we're, you know, we're rabid believers, right? right. And that's awesome. That's an awesome energy to have. Right. We just got to harness it and we got to harness it in a way that we put the context around our pride, right? And the context is how we can help you, right. not how great we are. And, and, you know, that's just a little bit of a shift. Uh, but man, you know, I talk about executing with ferocity, right? And there's nothing like founders who believe to be ferocious executors, right? And so you don't want to lose that, 
but at the same time, you got to you got to wrap that context in the right place. I, I think what you said in the book was, you know, we call it it's our baby, right? yeah, <laughs> and we're so proud of our baby, and you know, you know, look at our baby. I mean, you, you, right, right. Look what we look what we created, right? We we created this baby. Right. Yeah. And, Have you ever sat on the airplane next to the guy who's got four kids like me, and he brings up his phone and you say, "Oh my God, how many pictures is he going to show me?" I, uh, <laughs> that's so true. And that's what we tend to do. We want to show the buyer every picture of the baby, you know, from the time it was born until uh, its college graduation. <laughs> it, it, we do. We 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 want to show them everything that we do. Right, all, all the things. Read this. Read this. Read, read. I, you know, and you and I love what you said about white paper. Uh, yeah, because the I, I, I want to stick a fork in my eye with some of the white paper that I've read because it just makes no sense. Stop it. It's over. <laughs> when you get when you've gotten past like three to five pages, I'm done with reading your white papers. Okay, uh-huh. it, yep. it's that true. But we do. We even in business, we are so proud of our baby that we want to tell everybody about the baby. But then what we forget, what we forget is, is that the person who's in the other airplane seat, well, they really don't care about your baby. <laughs> they they want to know what's in it for me. What is it? What's in it for me? Are you, are you giving me your children? Because I've got children of my own. Would you like to see mine? They're 30. Would you like to see them? Would you like to see them? No. So right. but if you sat down next to someone who was, you know, going through, say, a medical crisis with their child that your child right. had been through. Right. Think how excited they would be to see the recovery pictures that sure. you show. Especially if the guy was happened to be a surgeon who did that type of well, thing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> right? I mean, right? I mean, if you knew if you knew the psychographic of that person who That's was sitting right. next to you, right? Then then you can shift the conversation, you know, oh, you may be interested in in, in this. Uh, we're talking with Ken Rutsky, um, author book launching to leading uh, a marketing book that will blow your mind i'm just telling you it will blow your mind it has mine so we've got this viewpoint story um model that we're using that you that you so eloquently put together and it's beautiful and by the way um there's an appendix in the back of this book so if you're looking for pictures there are pictures that he's drawn that are drawn up of these uh, models and how they work and I thought it was really interesting how you were able to take four different situations, apply it to the uh, viewpoint uh, story wheel. And I found myself in that fourth category as a B2B person, you know, as a consultant, is that inspirational uh, piece. So maybe you could talk about maybe a little bit of these four areas, you know, the the, the pain and, and, you know, what percentage you use of different things. Can you... Yeah, you know, if you think about the the story, I think the part you're referring to is, you know, there's four kind of story types hidden in that wheel, right? Right. Uh, The first one is really about, you know, the world and and how the world has changed. And, you know, my poster child company for that is a company here in Silicon Valley called Zora, Z-U-O-R-A. And uh, those guys do subscription billing and accounting software. You, You can't get a lot more dry than billing and accounting software, right? But what they did is they really went on a mission to educate the market about the change from buying to subscribing of products. I mean, you know, we're uh, now in our house quit toothbrush users. Right. Right? So we even get our toothbrush on subscription now. You know, how weird is that, right? Oh, right, so, right, 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 right. This, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I've seen this whole thing about they deliver toothbrushes like every... X, I think it's every ninety days. Yeah, every three months. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that you don't, so that you don't use the same toothbrush too long, because who doesn't use the same toothbrush too long? Exactly, exactly. And it's a pretty good toothbrush. You know, it's got, it's a nice product and a nice service. But what Zora did is they basically said, "Look, uh, it's turning into a subscription economy. Let me educate you if you sell products or services, why you need to go from a purchase mindset to a subscription one." And then, by the way, when you need the billing software to help you get there, I've got it, right? So they didn't spend a lot of time on the rest of the story about why your billing software is broken and the problems you're going to have with your current solution and the magical thing I have and how I'm going to transform your business. They just went straight for, let me explain the world to you and how I can help you. 
Right. Yeah, and then you can keep going around. The second one is, uh, you know, I can just basically say, look, uh, I feel your pain, Mr. Customer. Right. Uh, because I know what you're doing today to solve your problems. And I understand the pain you're in or the opportunities you're missing. Uh, one of my clients, FireEye, uh, used that very effectively. And they're, they're an IT security company. And they basically just said, hey, uh, you know, the threats out there have changed. And if you keep trying to defend yourself the way you are, you're in big trouble. Right. And they spent a lot, most of their time explaining why the current solutions were broken. And then, you know, I call that kind of the all pain, no gain right. story. And then they went on to say, oh, and I've got the magical thing that can help you. Where one of their you know, fellow travelers in IT security, a company named Palo Alto Networks, they just went straight for what I call the better mousetrap version of the story, which is uh, it's time to fix, in their case, the category was called the firewall. It's time to fix the firewall. We've got a better one. Now, they still told the whole story from, you know, the world's change. If right. you keep using your current firewall, right. you're going to have all these problems. We've got a better one, and uh, it's going to make your life better. But they really just focused on that better mousetrap part of the story. And then lastly, and this is where I pull from the consumer world a little bit, uh, my former favorite line, uh, Virgin America, which doesn't exist anymore, may they rest in peace, <laughs> basically said, hey, flying doesn't have to suck. We're going to make flying great again. And, man, they delivered with the whole experience of flying on Virgin America, uh, which was headquartered out of uh, San Francisco right. and, and had a big hub there, was just awesome. And uh, they went right to the end of the story, which is we're making flying great again. Yeah. And they didn't have to tell you. Uh, all the pain you had when you did business flying, you already needed, you already knew that. Right. Uh, so you can choose where to focus your story on which of those chapters. And there's some guidance in the book around how to pick, whether you're in a growth market or a replacement market or a new market or a growth or a stagnant market. Certain of these uh, story types tend to perform better uh, depending on the characteristics of the market you're in. That's awesome. We're talking with Ken Rutsky, author of the book, Leading to, I'm sorry, Launching to Leading. Got it backwards there for a second. Uh, available where books are sold. Um, by the way, I need to just uh, interrupt here for a second for those folks who are listening to podcasts. Nothing happened. You listened to Ken all the way through. But for those of you who may have been watching on Facebook Live, we, for whatever reason, we ended <laughs> and, and we're back on again. So uh, I want to apologize to all those people. Um, who who are now joining us back and wondering what happened. Well, technology is never perfect. And so we just had a technological glitch. I apologize. We're back up live. So we thank you for rejoining us, those of you who are doing that as well. And and I know that so many of these folks who are on are also going to listen to the podcast again. So, Ken, we're down. Uh, do you know we've almost been on an hour? I know. It's going fast, huh? It, it, goes, it always does. This 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 always happens with the people that I interview. I find that I'm so engaged, and I'm having such a good time with them. I hope you're having a good time too, as well. I'm having a great time, Jay. Um, but it, it just seems to go really fast, and I and I and I get so bummed because I'm like going, I don't want it to end because I got I got more questions, Ken, and they, and, <laughs> and, they and they aren't going to stop. And what it makes what it makes me say is, you know what, you got to buy the book is what you got to do. I'm not quite done with Ken. I'm going to ask him a couple more questions. But really, if if you are into marketing, and by the way, I don't care what kind of marketing you are into, and and I know that it says how B two B market leaders uh, create flash mobs, martial parades, and ignite movements, and I know that's what it says here. But I'm going to encourage any of you people who are in marketing to pick up this book. By the way, CEOs, I want you to also pick up this book. CMOs, CEOs, CTOs, you, you need to pick this book up. And the reason why you need to pick this book up is because this is more than this is more than just um, just a book for uh, just a marketing person. I mean, I mean, th this has got so much information that's so relative to so many people. So I'm going to really, really encourage you to please pick up this book. And um, because it's a great book. So 
I want to talk about the last three things because uh, before we leave you, and we may go a little bit over time if you if you don't have a hard three. Um, so the, the 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 things at the bottom of the book is just create flash mobs, parades, movements, and I found that to be a fascinating part of the end of the book was how you determined how you defined flash mobs and parades and movements and where you were at. So give us a quick overview uh, and and then keep us wanting for more. Yeah, I mean, I think the quick overview is, uh, it kind of says it in those three words, right? A flash mob is that crowd of early people who gather because they're passionate about what you're playing and what you do. And so when we're in the early stage of our leadership journey, we're really trying to find those close-in close buyers who really see us and just become passionate. And then I moved to the parade where this is, you know, about what's going on in the world back to steep, right? right? And how do I hook into something like the subscription economy with my value? And parades can take you all the way to an IPO, right? I mean, they're very, very powerful uh, and beyond. And then, you know, a few companies get to the movement stage, which essentially is changing the world. Right. And, uh, you know, right. when you're doing that, man, you are just uh, already, uh, you know, hugely successful, hugely known. Uh, and as you go through those stages, uh, you're, you know, everything from your business objective uh, to your communication objective to your marketing mix uh, changes, as well as your audience. So at the beginning, it's really the problem owner, right? At the flash mob, who's the person I can help today and going to dance crazy for me? You know, at the at the parade, it really becomes more of the C level sponsor who's looking for that strategic transformation. And then by the time I get to the movement, it's like I'm trying to hobnob with those other CEOs on how I can change the world. So, yeah, everything changes depending where I am in that uh, continuum. And the beautiful thing is they all build on each other. And one of the mistakes we make is we get a little tunnel vision into the stage we're in. So yeah, you know, I talk about. Uh, talking about your purpose uh, when you're starting your parade, uh, because when you get to the movement stage, a lot of this is about purpose. Right. Uh, but if I totally ignore purpose until then, it's too late. Or really thinking about your story at the flash mob stage, uh, because the story still has to bring people in, and it's going to become critically important as I transition uh, from the flash mob to the parade. So in the back of the book, I think it's on page 154, if I remember right, yeah, we kind of summarize the different stages and what you need to do to move from one to the other. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Matter of fact, it is. It's on page 154. That's really good. I'm holding it up so people can actually see it if they want to look at it. I know you, you people listening on podcast can't see it, but it is really on 100 page. It's page on page 154. Um, to, to let you know, you've been awesome. Ken. Well, thank you. Thanks. It's been great. I've enjoyed our chat. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed it. And so what I always ask my guests to do uh, is, you know, the show's called A New Direction. So I ask my guests, if you could leave my listeners, uh, I, I call them my listeners. They're really not mine. They, they're on loan to me. Uh, I, they're our listeners. Uh, if you could give them A New Direction when it comes to launching to leading and and marketing, what would be your new direction? Yeah, my new direction would be to put the buyer at the center of your story and make them the hero. Beautifully done. Well done, succinctly. Hold on with me, will you, Ken? Sure. Everybody, that's the show, right? I mean, we have to thank, of course, our sponsor, Endline Business Brokers and Advisors. They have been a part of the show. We've got to thank them for sponsoring uh, Launching to Leading and Ken Rutsky today. They were awesome. Listen, when it's time to sell your business, right, call those folks at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. It's it's inline.com. It's very simple, E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And, folks, as I tell you every week as I close the show, look, you know, be inspired because when you're inspired, you can inspire someone else. And when you're inspiring someone else, in turn, they get inspired. That allows our world to change. And so change the world be inspired. I will talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. When you lost your confidence and the answers don't make sense, 
A new direction. 